great events create great brands. And it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. We want to talk about what is going on in the wide, wide world of events this week. My name is Alyssa, and I'm going to be riding solo this week as your singular host for today's Great Events podcast episode. But I am joined by two amazing and very lovely and very insightful guests this week. I just want to get started with some intros. Christine, do you want to go first? I am Christine Kelly, a team lead of the marketing technology team here at Cvent. And Tiffany? I'm Tiffany Stanford. I'm on the demand generation team, really focused on digital strategies. And you guys already know me already, but Alyssa Peltier, host of the Great Events podcast. I wear many hats, as I say in our intro every day. But for the purpose of this, I'm going to be your show host for today, but also a traditional marketer at heart. So I'm very much a generalist in that capacity. The reason why we are all here today and why we are the chosen for the podcast is that we all just participated in a pretty noteworthy conference, Forrester B2B Summit, that took place in a hybrid format. But Christine and myself were in Austin, and Tiffany participated virtually, which was really cool. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about the experiences that you guys had? Why why Forrester was like such an imperative conference to attend for your marketing careers? It was the first time I've been to the Forrester B2B Summit, and I was really excited because it's kind of a third-party like consultative agency that allows us to kind of get out of like the sales pitches and really talk about marketing at its whole. And I think that that's why I was excited. There were a ton of vendors there from a marketing technology lens. I was super excited to talk to a bunch of my vendors, prospecting ones and customers, you know, ones that we use. So I think that was kind of what I liked about it. And it's the first big marketing conference, I think, back in person since the pandemic. Cvent is one of those vendors at this conference because we support programs like an event marketing, your events channel. Tiffany, how about you? You were like in a completely different space watching virtually. I was in my kitchen, dining room, bedroom, outside, pretty much everywhere. But we hear a lot about Forrester. And I think my favorite part is that they are such a data-driven company. So it's it's so nice to kind of you know, even from last year, taking the experience that you gained and then applying it and actually seeing some of these companies take that strategy and apply it to the real world business life. I think that's so impactful and just really inspiring. So really gained a lot. Um, definitely going to have to rewatch a lot of the sessions and watch even more sessions because I know that I missed some great sessions. Yeah, I would agree. I was like, if you could have content overload, like this is the place where content overload happens, right? It's this mix of, like you guys have been saying, forester led sessions. So these like analyst consulting, really, really rich content, very much data driven, research driven. So there's that whole side of the content strategy. And then Christine, to your point, there's also all of these MarTech companies that are showcasing and not, not just pitching themselves, but giving themselves thought leadership opportunities too. So it's like the most rich content environment at this. And then you have all of that networking potential too. I will say like the attendees are very much 
it's all marketers, right? It's all individuals with very different experiences. You know, Christine identified herself, you know, more marketing operations professional. Tiffany is more of a, like a digital strategist. I'm trying to kind of classify you guys. But then you have more of those generalist individuals like me who are kind of looking at everything. And so that's really the lay of the land there. Of course, there's leaders and executives too, but it isn't our traditional show that we would go to at Cvent. I think we sometimes get clubbed in just the meetings and events industry. And this is one of those unique opportunities where Cvent gets to position itself as more of this data driving engine, this insights engine where we can kind of deliver even more value than just the tactical, the day-to-day management of events. So that's just to round out the experience for, for all of you guys who are listening, because many of our listeners are not necessarily familiar with that space. So anything really like lasting impacts that you guys had? I know I have a couple that were just really cool moments from the conference before we kind of get into the meat here. I'm just curious if you guys had any of those, like, oh, that was the coolest part of the, of the conference by far. Christine, I'll start with you. We've talked about so many things like of the coolest part, but I think some of the things that, you know, I haven't seen been to an in-person event in a while. Some of my favorite things were when they made the experience of the conference around where we were, right? So we had like little sitting areas that were based out of little areas in Austin. I think one of them was like Lady Bird. Um, I can't remember the other one, but I thought that was really cool. And like bringing it back to where we were, even though like when you're in a conference, sometimes you don't get to experience the city. So it was kind of cool to see kind of that stuff. Secondly, just like seeing what these vendors brought to the booths to drive engagement with their booths. I sat and probably watched a magic show for like 10 minutes at one of their booths. And it was amazing. Tiffany, what about you? Anything really cool on the virtual side or or unique even? I think we're all kind of excited to be back doing events, even in whatever capacity, right? Like this is candidly not a cheap event to participate in. And so the fact that it was offered in a hybrid format gave our company and these lovely individuals here opportunities for learning and development too, that I think is just a testament to there's a time and a place for hybrid to be to be leveraged as a format. And this was one of those where it was a really good use case because it's great, Tiffany, that you were able to participate virtually, even if it was a totally different experience than Christine. Just from the hybrid perspective, there was so much great content. And I want to say that Forrester did a great job of distinguishing like which sessions should be virtual and which sessions should be live. I love, love, love the the return on integration. That was like so impactful. And I love how they broke it up by day. So it was like, you know, one session per day. But all of the keynotes were just so great. And I love that they started with like this whole change catalyst because our world has changed so much in the last two years. And I think that was so important to highlight and not forget about. And then they ended it with this like purpose driven power of purpose, I think was the, the name of that. But it just, it had a very good beginning. It had a good end in between. There was content heavy sessions that were all pre recorded, which I think is fine. I still gained so much from that, but I think they chose the right sessions. Did you feel like there might have been like too much content to choose from a little bit, or it was just like it was a nice sampling or a nice selection for what you would need in your to, it's because you were integrating this with your work day, right? So and I think the balance that a lot of planners and marketers are are jostling with right now is just how much is too much, how much is too light, especially for the virtual audience. Because of course, when you have the captivated 
uh, attention of an in-person event, you, you don't want them to be bored. It's like almost like a complete opposite end of the spectrum. Whereas on the virtual participant side, you're trying to make sure that you're not trying to shove too much in their face. So I'm curious what your agenda looked like, Tiffany. I think it was the perfect in-between. I mean, they had the in-person sessions. They didn't have too many of those that I felt like it was content heavy, but for the virtual piece, it was definitely content heavy. But I think that's okay because the power of being virtual is you can watch all of these sessions on demand. I think you have like 90 days is what they said. So August. So at the end of the day, I don't think it was too much content because again, you can go back and watch that at any time. Yeah. And we've actually talked about that on the podcast too, like this video marketing and content marketing converging with event marketing and your events no longer have like a timetable. There's like less of an expiration date associated to them. And so the event becomes a resource after the fact, as opposed to the event came, it lived, it died within those dates. It was nice to go to sessions and be able to like listen and intake it all, knowing that I could go back and watch the same session virtually, like later on, once I got home, you know, I wasn't frantically taking notes they provided the slides for every single presentation. So I just felt like very in the event versus like, oh, I need to get every inch of data on this piece of paper, right? I can go home and process it. Yeah, like you have to run from one thing to the other, like you could really like stay focused on the one thing that you needed to because you knew that you'd have access to things after the fact. And I think at the end of the day, like, there were multiple sessions at the same time that I wish I could have attended, but I, I wasn't stressing about it because I was like, I know it's online. I'm going to be able to watch it. And I think that that was a stress reliever for me, like being there is like, I also got to experience it without being stressed about that kind of stuff. The FOMO. Yeah, the FOMO. But that's what you want, right? Like there is the component of like, there is something to be desired in a live event experience, right? It's, I mean, you aren't, you can't do it. You, you lack the sensory type pieces of it all, which is funny because I was going to comment my favorite things were the tacos that we had on site. Very sensory, can't be replicated in the virtual environment. And the other experiences, which are kind of being infused into the in-person programs back again, because we're capable of the larger gatherings. I mentioned this on a previous episode about how we are, the safety belt is off, the seatbelts are off. Um, and so Forrester hosted a six-time Grammy-nominated Black Pumas, this a new band that I'd never heard of. And I've been listening to them for the last 24 hours. And I'm just like this sharing of information. Like we're back, people. You know, the live events are happening. Alyssa, I think you said it was like living in your soul. You're like, this is me. This is me. This is this is who I am at my heart. Yeah, I'm, I am the lead singer of a band called Black Pumas over here. The other thing that was really neat that I liked that was, okay, a little bit more marketing specific and event specific was... Christine and I went to dinner with a fellow colleague who was on site with us. And uh, we walked outside of the conference center. We were very much planning to get a rideshare app. And a sponsor had had bought out essentially these little, I don't even know what to call them other than like golf carts or like tuk-tuks, if you will. But they had completely wrapped these little golf carts and fully paid for the rides for attendees to go wherever they wanted in like within a certain mile radius, maybe like a one to two miles within the downtown footprint of Austin. And we got a ride to dinner free on this company. And I will call them out because they did such a great job. It was in flu too, but it made such a lasting brand impact. And it's those little moments that I think 
I want to say we've, we've been lacking in the virtual space for a really long time because you couldn't make those impressions, those brand impact impressions um, like we've had in person. So we've had to just get really clever with the virtual stuff. I know the gifting experiences has been one avenue, but this one was definitely made an impression that I had to call out. I 100% agree. I think my favorite part was that they came back to pick us up and drove us back to the convention center. But I think it's like, you know, from the events world, it's like these events inside of a big event, right? You know, we had sponsors that were sponsoring a coffee shop across the street. You know, they were providing food, manicures, blowouts. Like it was insanity. It was, it was an event inside of an event. All those people were tracking all of those things that events happen, but it was completely separate from the actual event happening. Totally. And Tiffany, I know you were talking about just kind of the gamification of the experience too on the virtual side, because the producers of this show were still trying to get that same type of brand activation. They're still trying to get you to have that same type of feel and leave with that kind of legacy too. I don't know if you want to talk about that gamification at all. I know you are very hungry for the points. Yes, I'm a competitive person in nature. But yes, I was all about the leaderboard. I think I'm number four. So if anyone listening is beating me, I I will beat you. But no, I think that was, that's always so fun to have. It's, it's engaging. It's, um, they have like, you know, different ways you can gain points and it's networking, listening to X amount of sessions, including like the case studies, the breakouts, all of it. And then chatting, like all of those things were tied into this point system, but I love it. I mean, I'm all about winning free stuff. And I think also what you get in return from like building those connections virtually, I think that's such an important piece from just a virtual perspective. Like you can't lose that because I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons why everybody attends in-person events is to build those connections and find different vendors and, you know, what do they solve and can they help this problem that I have today. So that is such an important piece. Yeah, we're realizing the value and the vacuum that we had by missing them when we had to have only a virtual experience, right? Like there's certainly so much value to virtual, but you can't have it all. And so that like diversity of formats, which is something that Cvent really preaches to the market that the right event and the right format at the right time so that you really take this kind of 360 view or holistic view of your events program is very important because if you're only focused on one format, your others might be lacking, right? Or you're missing something. You're missing some type of outcome or output that you could be capturing if you were to diversify a little bit more. Okay, so on that note, I would love to kind of downshift and talk a little bit more about some of the themes that you guys saw or maybe trending topics of conversation. Certainly, there were some that probably bubbled to the top or kind of commonalities across some of the sponsored sessions, maybe some of the research that Forrester's doing. So one of you guys want to comment on that or give me a couple of your your top trends that you're seeing in the MarTech and marketing space. So first, I want to say that like I loved the way the breakout sessions were handled. They were very like story driven, right? I heard stories about Toy Story and the Panama Canal and like they tied it back to the content that they were talking about, which I really valued. And you could tell they put a lot of time and energy into the content. Then secondly, at the end of all the presentations, they had like action items of like, this is how you can action this. And they were all very like step-driven, hack-driven, those kind of things. And I loved that aspect of the presentations. A ton of information about ABM, account-based marketing, 
Some people call it ABX, account-based experience. It's just driving that more targeted, smarter experience to your buyers and trying to get them the information that they actually need to make a decision. I saw that loud and clear as well. There were a number of providers. Like I said, I was pretty much relegated to the what they refer to as the marketplace. It's you know a fancy word for a trade show floor. And there were so many ABM providers. It was very clear this is this is hot, hot, hot in the space right now. And it has been hot, but it's like the numbers are multiplying at this point. So it's it's very clear that ABM is not only here to stay, but it's going to be potentially the new wave of the future for go-to-market strategies. Tiffany, what about you? Any content themes that you saw, not even just in the virtual space, but across the whole event that you were digesting? I think it really ties into exactly what Christine was saying, but it is this like whole mindset of focusing on opportunities versus leads. So changing your model is obviously very hard and especially for an enterprise size company. But I think to me, that was one of the tactics that I saw was this customer obsession data And how do we focus more on opportunities and creating a better experience versus focusing on the leads that are coming through who are not yet ready to buy, but focus on those who are actually ready to buy? Like, what are the things that got them there and why are they staying? And then how do you continue to build that loyalty and advocacy within those customers? So that approach alone, it's I think they call it the B2B revenue waterfall. And you have to go back and like rewatch that session a few times. I watched that session first. And then later that evening, Siemens came on and did their return on integration. And it was exactly what I just mentioned. It was how they did it. And they're a huge company. I mean, 25,000 employees, global. It just, the fact that they were able to do that is inspiring and the results that they received is something that I think a lot of us can try to implement today, or at least think about, think about doing, I think it's a huge opportunity. And the fact that they kind of laid that out in layman terms on how they started the challenges that they had to overcome, which it was a lot. And they gave like real life examples of feedback that they received from their employees. And it was not pretty. Were they implementing an ABM strategy, Tiffany? Was that kind of the what what their problem statement was? I think the problem statement was they were very focused on the whole lead model, like how many leads are we getting versus in the MQL driven strategy versus, okay, but how many of those MQLs actually converted to SQLs? And how do we focus more on the tactics that brought them from an MQL to an SQL? And also, whenever they did become that customer, what are the different tactics that kept them? So they really, I mean, they had to change like their whole lead model and really focus on just the opportunities and the results that they received was just, it was so inspiring. And I think it took them about two years to fully launch. Just the discovery alone took a year. So I think it was just, you were able to relate to that. It wasn't like, oh yeah, we totally changed this whole lead model. They found this concept through Forrester through an event a few years ago, and then they applied it and it took them two years. And just to hear all of that, I think that was just 
you were able to kind of put that in perspective after hearing like the more the content session during the breakout. And then later that evening, you actually saw like a case study of how a huge company actually did that and implemented that strategy. I think it's nice, like Tiffany's saying, that you get to see a company actually implement it because sometimes you go to these presentations and you're like, where do I even start with any type of content that you're seeing at these trade shows? Yeah, they're so strategic and not practical application. Or it sounds like it could be practical, but you haven't seen it in application. And so that was a very tangible way to to manifest it. And Tiffany, like you were saying, sometimes these case studies can seem like miracle stories, right? We hear something, it's like 30 days and it was totally transformed. But this one seems like it was like the good, the bad and the ugly, right? And they were very candid about like, this isn't an easy thing to do. And it's related to what you guys are talking about, but buyer signals versus buyer intent and what we're doing with all that data. And there were a lot of providers that were just data, data everywhere type thing. But whether it was about consolidation of that data, consolidation of those insights, consolidation of that intent, normalizing your data, warehousing the data, visualizing the data, like scoring the data. What else? What am I missing? What are the other actions? That is what marketers are thinking about is ultimately data first. What's the value of this channel? What's the value of this tactic? What's the value of this event, right? What are the values of all the activities that we do? What's the value of all the things that my buyers might be doing in places where I don't even see them, but I might be able to get, oh, enrichment, data enrichment. There's another one. I missed that one. Um, but that's, it's such, such a massive topic. And with many tentacles, if you think of data as an octopus at the head with all these tentacles, that really was to me, my big takeaway is, all right, this is, this is what marketers care about, right? It's not the getting it done. It's, it's the why we get it done, which is it's data. Yeah. But don't you think that like, we want that data because of exactly what Tiffany and I were just talking about, right? Is because we want to be buyer driven. We want to drive content. We want to drive opportunities and experiences that are more driven on the account or on the buyer that actually what they want, right? They also talked about just making sure that the content you're providing in a customer journey is relevant. Because that changes one's propensity to buy and engage with you further. A hundred percent. It's about relationships. It's about getting the same consistent messaging. They talked about sales hitting them up, marketing hitting them up, IT, whoever, right? And sometimes those aren't all the same message and that can be confusing for a buyer or even a customer. Totally. That was the other piece that I noted was kind of, I had the data thought process and I also saw a lot of sales enablement tools, but it's the connection from what you were saying, Christine, the, the buyer insights to the buyer intent to then offering them the right sales enablement strategy once they're kind of in the nurturing cycle with a sales representative, right? And that they're not having a completely dissimilar conversation to the digital insights or the digital experience that they might have had leading up to. And it's not about MQLs, right? Like that's what we heard over and over and over again. Like it's about accounts and account engagement, not necessarily that one person that's driving that has way more engagement than the rest of the account. Okay. So let's make this very, very tangible and practical for our audience, because of course we may not have marketers that are listening or we have planners that are like, oh, how can I influence my marketing organization or vice versa? I'm a marketer. How can I influence my event so that I can be a little bit more strategic based off of these insights? So Tiffany, I'll start with you since Christine and I were just going back and forth. Any thoughts on just what might all of this mean 
for our events going forward? I think telling this story is going to continue to be so impactful. And again, like how I mentioned in the in the beginning of this podcast, they started with the why, like, why are we here? And then they had all of these really great content heavy sessions around the what and the how do I apply it? And then they ended it with another why. And I think at the end of the day, that told the end to end story of how a marketer, event planner, whatever you may be, what is your purpose? And how can you better connect with your audience? What is your audience looking for? How can you make their experience so much better with that personalization, truly putting the customer first? And that is, that's honestly really hard to do. But not just putting them first based off of what we want to provide, but, but what we know about them. That's the hard part. Cause a lot of times we're like, we're going to serve chocolate chip cookies because everybody likes chocolate chip cookies, right? I know this is like a very lame example, but like, what if we just didn't know they loved peanut butter cookies and like they had been looking on the Mrs. Fields site for peanut butter cookies? That's like the most antiquated thing I could say is Mrs. Fields. There's probably like, what, crumble cookie? That's like the cool one now, right? Crumble. That's so funny. But sometimes we make assumptions, right, in, in this channel because we know it'll go- create a good experience. But what if it is hyper personalized? What if it is like we know every detail about you and that is going to make all the difference? What if that influ to tuk tuk? I'll keep calling it the tuk tuk because I think it's funny. But what if they knew where we were going, right? Like what if they knew we had dinner reservations because we had booked that? Like what if that somehow was part of the event experience and it was almost like they met us before we even knew we had the need? That's cool. I mean, they did, didn't they? Kind of. I think they, I think they got a little lucky, but they did. You're right. They knew that we would, that, that conference participants would be leaving the conference for dinner at that time. So they did. You're right, Christine. And I guarantee if we had gone to their booth, we would have known that they were out there. What about you, Christine? Thoughts on, on just applications for events in general? Mine are, you know, we haven't really talked about this yet, but networking. I found that what I was craving from an in-person event was meeting other people like me that I could stay in contact with, that I could learn from and understand their problems and, you know, those kind of things. And I think that's so important when it comes to these big trade shows and these big events is like giving an opportunity to your people, like giving them time, not only for the marketplace, like that's great, but to network and maybe setting up like dedicated networking experiences, roundtables, like those kind of things. I miss that a little bit in the Forester. I met some people that were really great. But I would say networking was so important and I wish it was a little bit more facilitated. They were fostering it a little bit more, harboring those relationships. Yeah, because, yeah, when you think about like the last two years, all we've ever gotten in the last two years is content. And so like, did people really go to this event for more content? They went because it's an in-person event and they were excited to meet like-minded people. And I think that that's so important now that we're going into this world of hybrid of like, again, I can watch all of the sessions for 90 days. I cannot talk to all those people again for 90 days. I think that's so, so relevant. It's definitely, I mean, that's kind of, I spoke at this event and it, my conversation is about how do you start to choose the right experiences for the right audiences? And Tiffany, you were talking about that earlier. You have to acknowledge what your audience needs are and meet them there. And I think we're all trying to figure this out because of course we all have a lot of content and we wanted to provide that content for so long. But right now we're in this, 
we're in a major opportunity space where we can reinvent the networking experiences too. And I think that's kind of the, we do have antiquated models there that are ripe for disruption and that can facilitate amazing experiences with one another. But because they're getting value out of the event, they're then going to continue to participate with your company or continue to, you know, provide revenue to your organization in some capacity, whether that's fundraising dollars or, you know, whatever that is. I sat down, I wanted to sit at lunch with people that I knew. And like, um, I actually said to one of our colleagues, like, I wish they labeled the tables of like what persona I was, right? And I could go and find someone. And if you didn't want to talk to someone, like, fine, there's other tables for that too. But I wanted, like, I was like brainstorming after. I was like, how would I have done this? Like, I would have maybe thought about like regions, right? Like people in the same region time, like, you know, just like maybe problem statements that people are having, like, just like trying to get people to talk because I think that that's what people want. Well, and we're in the business of technology, right? So there's got to be this like event technology. So where can Cvent support and where can digital environments or experiences or that kind of digital overlay to your in-person environment help foster and facilitate that too? Like, you know, how can we create like the bumble or like the match, but at a in-person experience, right? How can you find those people for that very confined time? Like that to me could be where we're headed. And I think we've started to do it a little bit virtually, right, Alyssa? Like we have these like connection rooms and I definitely use the wrong term there. Discussion rooms. Discussion rooms. Thank you. Yeah, we have these discussion rooms and I think that that's the start of it virtually, but how do we then get that in person? Well, with that, I know we've spoke for a very long time today. I feel like we could probably do another half hour pretty easily here, but that's all the time that we have for today. Tiffany and Christine, thank you so much for joining this week. I think your perspectives were so, so valuable, not only for the marketer audience, but also for the event planning professionals as well, as both of those functions kind of come in to eclipse one another in this new landscape of events that we're in. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by Seabon. If you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community.cvent.com. That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents at cvent.com.